Hi, I'm Sumit Bose. Welcome to the Net Hero Podcast. It's Jubilee Week. Jubilee, Jubilee, Jubilee. I'm so old, I remember the Queen's Silver Jubilee. Lots of festivities. Let's just see how much of it. There's a street party uh, where I uh, live. They've organised. Obviously, I'm quite miserable, so I haven't said anything about it. But I think they're going to be putting off stuff. I'll just see. They're quite sort of eco. Maybe they'll put like eco bunting. So uh, if you're enjoying yourself, especially having a couple of days off in, do, in doing so, do. You don't have to be royal to enjoy your time off. So uh, hope that's all good. It's um, a funny week, obviously, because it's a bit of a half week for most of us. So um, we'll see what's been going on. But obviously, you could not have missed the £400 that you're all going to get, everyone's going to get in their pocket from uh, us paying ourselves to deal with energy bills. Now, look, I've had my views on that. I think that, you know, it, it's it's a blunt tool, but it does make a difference. Um, and, and there will be a lot of people that will really need the money. Whether it's right that everyone gets it, including the very wealthy, and people with multiple houses, I'm not too sure. But that's one for the government to sort out. I suppose they had to do something around it. And you still have, as you've seen, if you've read Energy Live News and Future Net Zero this week, plenty more um, fears around the uh, price rise expected in October. But look, that's a way away. I just think we have to be realistic that this is kind of our future right now in the short term with more and more cost. One of the things that's interesting is this picking up on cost is kind of whether that will really drive behavior change. I had a very interesting conversation with someone from the industry who said, look, actually, of all the things that have happened, this crisis might actually work for us in the sense that it has focused mind so much on what you're wasting that perhaps now things can move. And if you listen into our um, couple of uh, webinars last week uh, to look ahead at the Big Zero show, there's a really good one uh, I did with uh, uh, Mark Rose from Total, uh, among others. Um, have a check of that because we, we discussed in that one um, exactly the sort of issues around whether this current energy crisis might, in when history is written, be the point where actually we said more good came of it than harm because it really changed thinking simply because costs are that strong. Ellis Hall, our Carbon Partnerships Manager, has written about it actually in his Carbon column, which is out uh, this week. So have a look at that on Future Net Zero. And he met some young people and uh, asked them about you know, how they would choose a product. Uh, you know, does it matter about its sustainability or its price? And someone went, price, that's all that matters. And it's a real question he ponders about, is net zero going to be about our behavioural change more than anything else? So uh, have a look at that. There's some really interesting technology stories this week as well. So if you uh, go to Future Net Zero, uh, have a look. But there's a great one about trying to get the plastic feedstock that's used, you know, when packaging and things like that, trying to take that out of the industrial process, take the carbon out. Uh, it's a company that's working on that from a company called Lanza Tech, and they're looking at how they can basically extract the sustainable, the carbon in sustainable PET so that you capture that carbon. And that will be a real big thing on kind of how we can make more sustainable packaging 
uh, happened. So that's a that's a good story that caught my eye. Um, we've also got lots more on data, you know, the use of data and how how more important it becomes as you look at um, doing tech. So have a look at that one. That's a really good story. It's a YouGov survey looked at using more and more data to extract uh, decarbonisation data footprints, obviously, and track processes. So that's a really good article, again, that you'll see our partners with um, Optima Technologies to check that out on the platform. And of course, um, you know, we have global stuff going on. Last week, we had the team from India, the husband and wife team, who've been clearing up uh, a beach. And it's a fantastic story. So have a listen in again, if you haven't uh, caught it already. But um, the UAE and India have teamed up to do some low carbon transitioning. They'll be working on green finance, hydrogen renewables and farming. And this, I, th- I find this story interesting because if you look at where we've got to go, you've got to get uh, major developing nations like India skipping technologies, you know, rather than trying to go for the coal that they've got, if they can go and, and, and jump that and go straight to renewable for their mass growth, that'd be better. And the UAE is obviously knows where its future is. It's, it's, it's It can't be a, a gas state forever. So it's now trying to really push, as, as most of the Middle East is, on renewable technology. So again, an example of global partnership in two parts of the world that will be needed. You know, we always very much focus inevitably on what's happening here in Europe, but you've got to look at the global picture of it. So again, one to look out for. Now, on to this week's podcast, which is all about uh, batteries. And we have talked about them many times on the podcast, but I continue to do so because they are really what our technology will be. This chat is uh, with a professor, uh, Thomas Mashmeyer from a company called Jalion Technologies, but it's really about the real eco or sustainability angle of batteries, because as we move from kind of, you know, fossil power, and we move towards batteries, the environmental argument about batteries is starting to expand. So have a listen to our discussion. Now, this is really quite an interesting part of where we're all going in the path to net zero, which is what technologies will we use to get there? Everyone's seen what we're doing. We're shifting away from fossil fuels, but that generally means we're shifting towards batteries and battery technology, electrons rather than molecules, as some people would say. And many people see the advantage, and we can always see it, from moving to things like silicon and nickel and cadmium and having battery technology that does all this. But there's also an environmental argument about these rare earth metals that can't be shied away from. Many people say that all we're doing is swapping, digging up for black stuff for digging up for silver stuff. But where would these technologies take us? How could battery technology be more sustainable? What could it do? Well, the guest on this week's Net Hero podcast is someone who thinks they've got a, a solution around some of this, cleaning up our kind of tech. It's Professor Thomas Mashmeyer, who uh, is from the University of Sydney. He's German, and he's the founder of a company called Jalion Technologies. Thomas, how are you? Oh, very well, thank you. Uh, you've got a great mishmash of an a- a- accent. I like it. So there's a bit of German with a bit of down under. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
So what do you do at the University of Sydney? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm professor of chemistry um, at Sydney University, and my speciality is to make chemical reactions go faster. In that realm, I've started to think about how to translate technology that we've developed into a whole range of different companies. Um, that's you know biomass upgrading to uh, renewable chemicals, mixed plastics, waste, mixed plastic waste. And to go into oils that can go back into the circular economy. But also we looked at energy storage with the company Juline uh, to try and improve the performance of batteries in particular situations. I mean, I'd really probably want to talk about batteries more than anything with you, really. But if you look at it, the basics of a battery, can you just take us through the chemistry of that? Because it hasn't really changed too much in, what, 150 years, has it? No, the principle is um, universal. So one has a chemical reaction and a chemical reaction involves the exchange of electrons. And uh, what a battery does, it does uh, stop the exchange of electrons between two chemicals inside the battery. And it makes the electron travel to an electrode that then is connected to the outside world. So the electron travels to the electrode through the through some device, you know, in the outside world and back into the other side of the battery, uh, where it goes into another electrode and then into the chemical, um, the partner chemical, as it were. So what the battery does, it it prevents the direct exchange of electrons by chemicals making and breaking bonds, and um, has the electron travel uh, through a device and powering it. So it goes from the you know, positive to the negative or, or, or vice versa, depending whether you're charging or discharging the battery. Yeah, I remember my basic chemistry, which is 100 years old, you know, the anode and the cathode, and then it sat in a solution and, and, and that. And, and that's basically what we've been using all this time. Haven't we? And, but what, what's been the main constituent of the sort of solution that batteries have? Because people always see as batteries as solid, but they're not really solids, are they, inside? No. So uh, batteries tend to have an electrolyte that is liquid, and uh, that electrolyte can be made into a gel or can be made into a polymer. Um, so it's liquid-like, uh, but 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 at the end of the day, um, the the ions are in a liquid in a liquid uh, form, one way or another, to travel and compensate for the electrons to travel. So you have an ionic current inside the battery and an electric current outside of the battery, and yeah. they need to balance. And what what's that solution made of normally? Is it a salt solution? Is it kind of what's in the average? You know. Yeah. So so there are lots of different yeah lots of different battery technologies which have different kinds of electrolytes. They they have uh, ions uh, like chlorides in them, for example, or yep. uh, or carbonates, that sort of thing. And when we hear of lithium batteries, people probably would have heard of a lithium, you know, the lithium ion, or cobalt, or cadmium, all of these things you hear of. Is that the name of what the, the solution is? Is that what that is? Or, or, or where is the name? Uh, well, well different, different battery technologies have got um, different uh, advantages. So we all know lead-acid batteries, of course. They were once one of the first and the oldest, yeah. uh, very reliable, but has issues around needing uh, a concentrated sulfuric acid inside the battery as uh, electrolyte. And also lead, of course, is not particularly good. Uh, yeah, the, the funny thing is, at school we tried to make one with exactly those things—a bit of lead and sulfuric acid. You never yeah, well, that those now. were the days. Those <laughs> were the days. Were the days. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and then and then other batteries have come along since. Uh, so nickel cadmium, but but lithium ion, of course, is uh, is is very much in everybody's mind now because of electric vehicles. And you know they just 
service different market segments. So lithium iron um, does have issues around flammability, uh, which which you know, that acid uh, yeah. doesn't really have, uh, and other batteries like like the July batteries also don't have. Um, but lithium is very light; it's one of the lightest elements. So um, so so they're light and they're small, and they can be made to uh, react quite quickly, discharge, dump all of the power quite quickly. So as a power battery, they're really good, but they're very fragile. So if I want to charge to 100% state of charge or discharge to 0% state of charge, their lifetime is very, very low. Equally, lead-acid batteries, if I go much below 40% state of charge, you know, really drain the battery, it's mm. basically dead, you can't get it back, it just dies. And everybody knows when they have a lead-acid battery that's gone flat, it's basically impossible to get it back up and, uh, and you've got to buy a new one. So, uh, so, so each of these technologies has got you know, advantages and disadvantages. And um, I think lithium iron has a big role to play, but uh, in areas like uh, energy shifting, stationary energy storage, there are other technologies which, uh, which I think are better suited. If you look at where we are right now, I mean, this transition that we're all going through is basically a transition to batteries, really, if you really look at it. Because if you have wind turbines, if you have solar, you catch the energy in simple terms, but you've got to store it because the whole point is we can't use it. We might not need to use it straight away. So everyone has seen, you know, I've got an EV now and I have to charge it overnight and then I've got it. And then obviously it drains down and you see that people with houses now are getting, you know, batteries in their houses. To, to new, new builds here in the UK have got a lot of housing now built with batteries there. Is in your mind, that really the, the, the future of where we go with this transition is that we will move to storage-based energy because that, that'll be rather, obviously combustion energy is starting to die. The future is storage-based energy. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think, I think first up, we've got to work out where, where we you know, get the power from. And so solar and wind are clearly two really good technologies uh, and, and they're going to be more and more uh, widely deployed and they're intermittent so we need forms of storage and there are different types of storage there's uh, hydro storage of course uh, where, where if, if the geology uh, let's say mountainous lakes if the geology allows that um, uh, in, to be an easy solution why not use that but then there's other there other things like uh, compressed air and, uh, and and weight towers and all sorts of things but these uh, solutions tend to be quite large and heavy in engineering yeah. Uh, yeah. whereas yeah. Uh, batteries are modular so batteries can be can be really made to fit all sorts of shapes and sizes, whereas the battery cell itself is the same. So think about a Lego, you know, a Lego block, yeah. and you can yeah. build lots of different things, tiny houses, and you can build a big palace, and yeah. equally with batteries. So I can have the same battery cell, the same Lego block, support a, you know, a solar power station that rivals a coal-fired power station and output. And equally, I can use the same battery cell to back up my solar panel at home or run your car. So that versatility of, uh, of, of batteries makes them uh, so attractive to be deployed. But they're not the only technology, but they're the technology which will work very, very well in many applications. I mean, many say that we're about to go on a, a, a real battery boom. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here in the UK, there's a project called the Faraday Project, looking at battery technologies, governments are funding it, universities are funding it. Is battery science the next big frontier in your mind? 
Yeah, I think battery science is uh, going to really um, accelerate and, and it's going to, the market will become more and more sophisticated. So think about it, you know, from the petrochemical side, it used to be that people would take some you know, crude oil, distill it, get the kerosene out and the rest wasn't really used. And over the years, you know, every drop of a barrel has been used to, 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 to some advantage. Yeah. And uh, with the energy market, it's a bit the same. Different projects, you know, if you have an electrolyzer that makes uh, green hydrogen, if there is a, a backup situation in the domestic side, if there's a solar power station, all of these you know, areas will need slightly differently tuned batteries, different battery chemistries, different power electronics, etc. So, so as the market becomes more sophisticated, we are able to drive down cost uh, more and more, uh, increase the uh, ease of use uh, for the customer, and uh, overall, um, you know, just move towards a much more pleasant and much greener uh, and much more environmentally friendly uh, situation compared to what is the case now. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to what you, you've sort of invented. But before I do that, what is, where do you see the biggest environmental problems with batteries? Because you, you've heard the voices, we've all seen it. You know, there are two parts that I can see, which is one, there's the environmental damage of getting things out of the ground, the lithium, the cobalt, the nickel, whatever it is. So basically we're still digging this yep. stuff. Maybe we're going to go to the moon to do the same stuff. Who knows? Maybe that's why they're all keen to go to the moon. But there's that. Then there's kind of the process, power, the energy to, to turn these things into batteries. Okay, then they run their life but then there's the disposal. So those three things, the kind of getting the raw materials, manufacture, and then end of life. Where are we on that in terms of environmental sustainability? Yes, um, so, so that's, that's an excellent question. And, and you know, to, to answer it in a slightly wider uh, manner initially, if you look at all the resources we have right now and the resources necessary for everybody to be able to live a sort of, um, I guess, Western-style life, we need around six planets worth, right? We only have one. So the solution to that is to reuse and have a circular economy. So that doesn't just touch batteries, it touches everything. Um, so in terms of batteries, the way in which we need to design them is such that they can be recycled close to 100%. So we do the mining bit once, and then we keep that material going round around the uh, round around the circular economy, maybe losing five percent per cycle of that. Um, so, so, so that is an absolute must. Then the the the, the second point is how do I make my battery? Uh, I need to make my battery in a in a way that really uses not a lot, yeah, the the least amount of resource possible in terms of water, in terms of CO two footprint. And you know, if, if if I may just mention there, uh, our battery, the zinc bromide battery of Geline, the company I founded, we have by far the best environmental footprint in terms of uh, in terms of these parameters. So we outcompete all other technologies in terms of CO two emissions, in terms of water use. We use eighty percent less water than lithium batteries in our manufacturing process, and because of our design, we are as recyclable as uh, lead acid batteries, so ninety five percent plus. Uh, but in addition, we don't have those uh, really toxic elements like uh, lead or, or, you know, very corrosive things like concentrated sulfuric acid. When our battery is discharged, it's basically salty water with some special soap, uh, some carbon and then some plastic bits, and that's it. So uh, very easy to recycle and, uh, and put back into the circular economy. Um, so I think these are really important questions and, uh, you know, new technologies like ours are addressing them. 
when you say about the kind of um, you know digging up ones, and and I'd love that to be true. We're nowhere near any of that right now, are we? And we've also got a shortfall because everyone's desperate. You know, we see what's going on with cars right now that you can't get any modern cars because there's not enough material for the chips because they got, haven't got enough of the, of the silicon so are we are we in danger of heading towards you know really uncontrolled mass mining the way that people protest about you know trying to dig up the arctic for oil could we now suddenly find that we're, we're digging up mountains and deserts for for um, I, I think I think um, the the mining we, we we conduct for you know for iron ore for aluminium for um, you know titanium these sorts of things for materials uh, in infrastructure is significantly larger than what we need for batteries. So we are already having mining operations at huge scale to support everything that you see around us. Um, I mean, whether it's sand, mi sand mining for all the concrete around the place or, or, or the steel or the mining for, for steel or vanadium for, you know, uh, sophist sophisticated steels. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I don't think I don't think the ba batteries will come with a new dimension of mining. Right. Um, they will they will come and, uh, and, and be part of, of that ecosystem. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and remediation is an important point, uh, and not just for mines associated with batteries, but for, with everything. And, uh, and of course, oil extraction, gas extraction, uh, coal mining, etc., is also environmentally questionable. So, you know, there's no free lunch. Uh, no, what we have no to and do, I get that. I get yeah, what, what, what we have to do really is to sit down and go, well, what, what, what do we want to achieve? And what we mm. want to achieve, I mm. think, is the least CO2 emission possible. Uh, in, in, in a manner that is most uh, compatible with the sustainable environment and then judge uh, various technologies and various approaches um, and practices uh, against that. And yeah, so they are, yeah. Yeah, one, one can mine responsibly and one can mine irresponsibly. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, we have got to, you know, look, it, this thing that we can tomorrow change everything is not real, right? We, we live in the real world where this will take time and there will be an environmental cost for any technology we use, you know, nothing is without uh, a cost. But in terms of uh, the recyclable element of it, and you said there earlier but, but that you thought, you know, you could just do it and then keep going with maybe like, you know. Lithium is, is, is very difficult to recycle. So lithium, uh, especially lithium iron, which has, which have uh, nickel, uh, yeah, NMC, the nickel, manganese, cadmium, uh, cobalt. I mean, sorry, um, yes. they uh, they're difficult to recycle, uh, and yes. then inherently because it's a thin coated, uh, yeah, it's a thin film technology, and so far there hasn't been really a process demonstrated at scale that can do that easily. Whereas lead acid and, and our version, which is which is designed like a lead acid battery, are very straightforward to recycle. So do you think that there, there will be some, that we will find a solution in some way to do with this? Because otherwise we'll end up with all these old, you know, right now lithium is the thing we use. We'll have thousands and thousands of tons of these batteries at the end of their life. Um, yeah. I mean, I did wonder about- I think for lithium, it's a real problem uh, at this stage. At this stage, it's a real problem. But, right. you know, um, maybe somebody will come up with a, with a good solution. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, and obviously, you know, nickel cadmium batteries are, you know, quite toxic. Um, yeah. So, so that's a problem as well. So, in terms of recyclability, the zinc bromide batteries uh, and and lead acid are by far by far the best ones uh, to to show the way to the circular economy. There's another technology people have been talking about in terms of batteries called graphene, 
which is a type of carbon, if I'm right, it's another form of carbon. W where does graphene sit in all this? Well, graphene is a, is a solid, right? So you still need ions to somehow transport the charge. So it's just a, if you think about it, it's just a really good sponge for electrons, uh, but, right. but you still need, uh, you still need lithium ions, let's say, to, to transport that charge. You know, you have the electrons going on the outside of the battery and on the inside, one needs to have a positive ion moving mm. in the same direction to keep the whole thing electrically neutral. Um, so, uh, so the graphene is just a really good sponge for those ions to sit on and one can get uh, a very fast rate of uh, release of those electrons um, and, and, uh, and a reasonably high concentration of those ions. Um, but it's not fundamentally different to a lithium ion battery itself that it's graphite and graphite yeah. are sheets and the sheets are graphene. Um, so, so, so it just means that the graphite is more exfoliated has a higher surface area. So that could people talk about them being more efficient and, and you know last. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because because you have uh, you have you have that higher surface area. Yeah. Um, uh, it does it does react more quickly and therefore uh, you know the, the 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 internal resistances are lower and so it's a little bit more efficient. But it's not in principle completely different. Yeah, understood. Right now, you you founded something called Gelion. What, what is that? Because it, it it sort of is it a, a company that's come out of the university as such. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so it was a. Um, I was looking at uh, trying to improve, or really looking at what's the bottleneck in terms of electricity, you know, uh, making the electricity grid more renewable in nature. And it's pretty clear that storage was a major bottleneck, and uh, safe storage was an issue in terms of putting batteries into the built environment, and also uh, having batteries perform in uh, extreme. Uh, situations like in Australian outback, it's very hot, it can get quite cold as well. And, and maintenance of batteries, talking to electricity companies is a real issue. Um, so if I need air conditioning, if I need fire suppression systems, um, that is quite costly. Uh, and uh, the other one is state of charge management, that uh, lead acid batteries need to be very carefully managed, uh, otherwise their lifetime is, ex is, ex is exceptionally short. Um, equally, lithium ion batteries lose their warranty if, um, if they're above 25 to 28 degrees for any length of time, or if they're outside of the charging window, which is not much more than 90% of state of charge and certainly not less than 15. So really complex kind of things. And uh, that means the price is high, complexity in terms of management, things go wrong, and we all know about various fires and things. So, um, so I thought, well, how about we'll go for really, really robust technology and zinc bromide was invented in 1889, I think the first patent. And uh, there were some fundamental chemical issues, which uh, meant that that hadn't yet been uh, adopted. And uh, so I solved them uh, with Juline and initially at the university doing some in principle fundamental research. And we, we solved the main issues with the battery technology and uh, that solution went so well that we thought we should try and commercialize it. And so here we are with a battery that is fully recyclable, that has these performance characteristics of, of being, it doesn't matter if we had 100% state of charge, 0% state of charge, or anywhere in between, very comfortable. We can operate up to 50, 55 degrees without the need for cooling. We can go into negative temp temperatures as well, uh, no problem there. So we are now able to answer the, the requirements of robustness uh, of the battery performance at a at a very competitive price once we are at scale so we are we are right now in the process of getting there yeah now i mean it sounds really exciting but you, what you're using is the zinc bromide which is basically it's, it's a salt is that right 
That's right. It's a salt. Um, yeah, so like the salt we'd have in you know, the sodium chloride. Everyone knows is the table salt. That it's that sort of salt. It's just yeah, it's, exactly. It's that sort of salt. Yep, just two different metals and two different halides, but the same thing. Yeah, it's water soluble, highly highly water soluble, and it's yeah. a clear solution if it's just zinc bromide. Yeah. Where where does the where does this come from? Is it so with your technology? I'm not, you know, you'd have to excuse, excuse my ignorance, but do you have to do you have to mine this stuff, zinc bromide? Do you have to make it in a lab? Yeah, so so zinc zinc is very well distributed around the world. It's yeah. obviously a building material, so there's yeah. a real abundance of zinc uh, at low cost. If you compare your know, prices of lithium to zinc, you know we are we're talking about orders of magnitude different, uh, and also the sensitivity of price of zinc uh, versus other metals is is, is quite low. Um, so it's it's steady and it's uh, it's it's quite inexpensive, um, and uh, and and available all over the world. Uh, bromine comes as bromide as a as a salt and salty water. So uh, if you take a desalination plant, the brine that comes out is quite high in bromide. Um, oh, but uh, currently, the world is using um, using uh, taking bromide from the Dead Sea. So Israel is extracting on one side, Jordan is extracting on the other. Yeah. And that's yeah. about 80% of the world's uh, bromide because it's just so uh, convenient um, to have a, a sea that is um, it's almost dried out and highly concentrated. But there are other large brines, uh, uh, underground brines uh, in, in North America, for example, uh, yeah. is one and, and, uh, and, and Eurasia is the number. So there's bromide in, in water dissolved all over the world. And I can also take it from the oceans if I want to. So it's a very yeah. available set of materials. For, for your batteries, then, you've got the zinc, which, as you say, I mean, I don't know what the, you probably would have the answer to this, but the kind of, you know, the mining profile for zinc is, and I assume it's mined, is it? Or is it, is it broken up? Yeah, it's yeah, that's, that's right. It's mined, yeah. Right. So there's still an element of mining, but it's much more plentiful. It's, it's cheaper the sort of electrolyte can come from seawater in some ways. So do you think that the, the, the footprint of these batteries, your batteries, will be, will be less in, in, the, in the first? Oh, point? yes. So, so we have an independent report that, uh, that shows that we are by far the lowest uh, environmental footprint by a whole range of different criteria. As I said, water use, CO2 emissions and recyclability uh, and toxicity. So, so, so we are we are performing extremely well on on all of those uh, environmental parameters. Where have you have you made any of these batteries yet? Yes, yes. So we've uh, we made we made quite a few and uh, demonstrated them for in in, in uh, water in, in uh, desalination units um, to to showcase a bore water that's gone saline and uh, can be desalinated with our batteries with a solar battery combination. And we are right now. Uh, building a pilot line in a, uh, with, a, with a partner, Battery Energy, in Sydney, Australia, in their factory. And we're also are negotiating with uh, a global manufacturer for large-scale manufacturing uh, at this very moment. So, Where would these be used? Would be used for big, heavy machinery, that your, your batteries? Uh, so, so the zinc bromide battery that we have, the Endure battery, is, uh, is one for stationary energy storage, so not mobile. So, uh, so and, for a solar uh, plant or a wind farm. Yeah, that's right. So energy shifting. Yeah. And to some degree, also, uh, we can do the FCAS market. So looking at uh, grid stabilization. And we can do, we can basically uh, service both of those markets. Uh, and, and that can be then extended to things like data centers, uh, uh, communication towers, etc. And because we are so robust, um, where other batteries, 
you know, can't exist at this stage, uh, we are quite happy. So initially, we are looking to replace things like gas peaking plants and diesel, diesel gensets. So they're our first two big targets. Sounds really exciting stuff. I mean, I suppose this is the real thing, isn't it? When we look at what's going on, and I went to COP up in uh, Glasgow, and you know, a lot of people said it was a pointless exercise. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But you, you know, to shift the whole planet takes is going to take a lot of political will. We can see what's going on. Yeah, and, and, and it takes some time. I mean, yeah, it took, it took a little bit of time to get to where, where we are now. Yeah. And, and what yeah. is amazing is that the economics are just so, so in favour yeah. of uh, going going solar and wind, uh, especially with uh, with a combination with you know, of batteries being able to do base, base load, that um, a, a whole range of, I guess, emerging countries uh, will be able to build an infrastructure, electricity infrastructure, that is more robust because it's more yes. stupid. And that, that's uh, what I wanted and, to talk about. Uh, and, yeah. and more renewable in nature. So I think overall, it's very exciting. I mean, that's before we end, that's, that's where I'm, I'm trying to get to. Because if you look at, you know, I've met delegates from uh, African nations and you look at kind of parts of Brazil, India, China, well, China a bit different, but, you know, Malaysia, Indo-Pacific, where you are, loads of places around there. Do you believe that actually, if you look at where we're going, uh, the way that mobiles superseded landlines, right? So in parts of Africa, they didn't even bother with landlines. They just, once the mobiles came, they put repeater towers and people use mobiles as, as the coverage. Do you believe that we might be able to get to a stage where to accelerate globally, which is what we need everyone, not just rich countries, but everyone going, the battery technologies, things that your own company is doing, but other companies are doing. Yes, so so that was, uh, and believe, believe it or not, that was my main motivation <laughs> to actually start the company. Uh, right, because, okay. because the, um, because, the you technology know, jump. There, there is no battery right now, no battery technology right now other than ours that can actually do the job in those more demanding environments. There's no other battery technology right now that can do the job in those environments other than us. So it was really designed around that as a, as a name. And then there are obviously lots of uh, you know, spin-offs in terms of helping mining companies to decarbonize their operations. Um, you know, solar farms obviously are in you know, places where there's a lot of sunshine, which means it's usually quite warm. Um, and so, so again, that's a big challenge for most batteries, whereas we don't mind that at all. So we believe that our tech and techs like ours um, are critical in, in you know, building and helping emerging nations to, you know, in a sense, leapfrog some yeah. of the uh, some yeah. of the industrialization, the you know, next gen industrialization based on electricity to uh, to leapfrog other nations. Before we go, um, there'll always be people that will be negative about the whole battery science and what we talked about right at the beginning. How would you answer environmental calls to say, well, this is all sound very nice, but really what we need to be doing is using far less and recycling much more and you know you're just creating another set of technologies here and you're going to still allow people to mine and that's wrong etc etc because there's, there's always going to be arguments that actually yeah. you know and look I, I, I fully support the call for the need to recycle and the beautiful the beautiful thing is batteries are very discrete units and if you want anything that you can recycle batteries you know are it so so it goes 100 percent in that direction of Yes, we will need to mine stuff to build stuff. But what are we replacing? We're replacing huge uh, CO2 emitters. 
and, uh, and, and the mining happens once and then we can recycle. Uh, whereas, you know, if you burn coal, keep, you've got to keep doing that. Yeah. So, uh, so, 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 you know, as I said, there's no free lunch, but there's certainly a significantly lower impact on the environment, on the climate, on the planet, if we go towards uh, electrification based on renewables supported by batteries. Brilliant. I think, you know what, and I've really enjoyed this chat because it's one of those things where, you you know, it's one of the, the futures and there's not enough talk about kind of, being honest about the battery science. And I think you've been very honest today with us. So uh, Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on the Net Hero podcast. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. He's right, isn't he, really? There is a cost for everything. You know, that old adage, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. There will, there will be an environmental cost for all of our battery tech, for all our transitioning. Question is, if we dig up once for our lithium, cobalt, cadmium, whatever, and we can keep the life going, then that's far better than us constantly digging and burning as we do with fossil fuels. So nothing's easy, nothing comes without a price environmentally, but let's try and do the least damage we can. Before I go, the full uh, details of the Big Zero Show are now up, bigzeroshow.com. Go and check it out. The agenda is there. I'll be opening the show with a little chat about kind of the way I see things going and what's been happening and the amazing feedback we get from all of you who listen and read future net zero so do uh, get yourself looking at that choose what you're going to do during the day still a few t- tickets left if you want to grab one of those then uh, just register for that we're going to have a, a jam-packed day we're looking forward to seeing you and uh, it'll be it'll be brilliant some teams very excited about that and then of course um, just keep subscribing uh, to the podcast Uh, We really appreciate your feedback. And if you want to be on it, then just drop me a line. Until uh, the next time, have a lovely Jubilee weekend. Catch you next week. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Sumit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.